Well, good morning. How many people are ready for God's Word? Are you ready for God's Word? Well, as Pastor Shelley announced, school starts this Tuesday. Some of our boys and girls began last week. I had a family, as they're walking in this morning, they said, Pastor, we saw this amazing cartoon. They said, it's the Thursday before school starts, and mom's at the door. The backpack is on their child, and they're pushing their child out the door. It's Thursday. And they said, I know school doesn't start till Tuesday, so walk real slow. (laughs) I thought that was so good. I thought that was so good. I had a parent email me yesterday, and they said, our child, young little girl, said, when I grow up, I want to be Pastor Mark. And so, so the parent said to the child, and I got it right here, it's right here on my phone, the parent said, well, do you know what a pastor does? And they said, yes. They get up and they talk when people are taking a break from singing. <laughs> I thought that was so good. I thought that was so good. It really was. Well, I am honestly so glad and honored that you are here today. This is Labor Day long weekend, and you're here. I feel sorry for the people that are at their trailers and their cottages, don't you? I mean, I mean, that's horrible. That's awful. We get to be right here this morning. And I am really glad that you're here. You're here for the final message in our nine-part summer series that we've been calling Cultivate. And we've been exploring the fruit of the Spirit. Next Sunday is going to be a vision Sunday. And I've really got some stuff stirring in my heart that I, my heart that I can't wait to share with you as we're stepping into this fall season. You're not going to want to miss next Sunday. But pull out your sermon notes. It is on the back of your bulletin. And we've been exploring the fruit of the Spirit. What are they? The fruit of love. The fruit of joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. But today we want to explore self-control. And I'm really delighted that the, the WOW kids are here this morning. Can we give a great big loud honor to the wow kids today and we are so glad that you're here and so i i've got a few sermon illustrations and a few things i want to hand out in a moment but but we're going to talk about self-control and i want to take you back to a story i was i was 10 years of age and in my home church bus ministry in the 1970s was so big and so i i'd sweep out all the buses on a sunday morning and and get them all ready for all the buses to go out and now it's Christmas time, and the bus captain gave me a gift. He, he gave me a box of turtle chocolates. Remember turtles? Remember the two layers of them? And he said, take them home. This is your gift. And it's Sunday morning. I took them home. I didn't tell my parents. I put them in my bedroom. We had lunch, and I went downstairs, and I had absolutely no self-control. I ate the entire box of turtles on a Sunday afternoon. And I I had to sit through an evening service with a really messed up stomach. So we're going to self-control. Pastor Shelly Hal, come on up here. And uh, Pastor Joe and Pastor Matt, come on up here. I need you guys, your help too. And I've got something for all of the wow kids. It's going to take some self-control. And so Hal and Pastor Shelly, go right down there. Go right down there. This is peanut-free. You need to know, moms and dads, just relax. It was all made in a peanut-free environment. It said that on the box. And I've got a little bit of chocolate for all of the boys and girls, the wow kids, 10 and under. You can come up if mom and dad let you. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Self-control. You cannot eat the chocolate till the end of the service. So come on up. Wow kids, come on up. Get your chocolate. And now, I, adults, I got a real amazing treat for you. Pastor Matt, these come from a bakery just down there. They are not for you. And, and I'm going to give this one to you. These, these are tarts from Frank's. And they are so good. And I want you, Pastor Matt, to go up in the balcony and randomly hand them out to some adults. Randomly, randomly. One to an adult. One to an adult. You go on the main floor, anywhere you want. Roam through. If you want a butter tart, lift up your hand. Self-control. You cannot eat the butter tart until the end of the service. So boys and girls, keep these adults in check. So if you want one, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I almost got a butter tart for everybody, but it would blow the budget way out of the water. And so I've just got a couple of, they're really expensive, trust me. And uh, so boys and girls, you get your chocolate, and adults, you get your your butter tart, and uh, you can hold on to that, but you've got to display some self-control, 
And I want you to hold these people accountable that they will not eat this until the end of the service. And so, Pastor Shelley, self-control. Bring that bucket back up here. It's not for you. And uh, Hal, where's the bucket? Bring it back up. We have a second morning service. And uh, you, you make sure you don't eat those. Yeah, it's all good. All good. So, Pastor Joe, you're doing all right? You just hand them out self, self-control. Everybody say self-control. All right, you got your notes out. I want you to take some, some notes here. I'm going to give you, first of all, the spoiler the spoiler alert. I, I got to get this right out, right from the beginning of the message. You can write this in your notes. Biblical self-control doesn't mean self-control. This is not a self-help message. This biblical self-control actually means spirit control, all right? And so we're going to talk today about not you controlling yourself, but the spirit of God that's in you controlling you. Spirit control. And so let's dig a little deeper, because that's the spoiler alert. It's not self-control, it's spirit control. Self-control actually comes from an ancient Greek word, and you could see it in your notes, ankrantia, which actually means strength from within, inner strength, inner strength inside of you that is proceeding out from with oneself, but not by oneself. Let, Let that just sink into your mind. It's strength on the inside. You're mastering something on the inside, and it proceeds out from you, but you're not doing this by yourself. And the ancient Greek word for self-control really gives us the idea that the spirit that's in us is controlling us, and it proceeds out from our life. There's an expression I've used, and I've seen my parents use it. They've said it to me before. You've got to get a grip on this. You've got to get a grip. You've got to get some control. You've got to get a grip. And the Spirit of God can help master you on the inside and give you control that proceeds out from you. So let's walk through some scriptures quickly. I love Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and verse 19. Paul is writing to a church in Rome, and he's being so transparent. Listen to this. This is verse 18, Romans 7. For I know that, that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Isn't he just being honest? I want to do good, but I can't carry it out. And then in verse 19, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Let that sink in. Paul is saying the very things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things I don't want to do, I do. And I'm struggling. I've got this battle of my flesh and my spirit. Now here it is. Many of you are still living in Romans chapter 7. How many people are glad that there's a chapter that comes after it about the spirit that's in us? It's Romans chapter 8. And I want to read to you Romans chapter 8 verse 5. Paul said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Paul is saying, don't get trapped in this battle. I don't want to do it, but I do it. I do want to do it, but I don't do it. But I've got the spirit in me to give me control. How many people are grateful for the Spirit of the living God? Are you grateful for the Spirit of the living God? Come on. Are you grateful for the Spirit of the living God? So let me show you Galatians chapter 5, 16. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and verse 25. This is the same chapter where you read about the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul said in verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. Paul is teaching us, You can live by the Spirit's leading. And then in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want to show you an interesting analogy that Paul shared. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he gives us a sports analogy of a runner and a boxer. I used to run as a child and as a teenager, and I still run today two miles, two miles a day. And, uh, but I only boxed once in my life, and I lost miserably. So I put the boxing gloves down. And Paul gives the analogy of a runner and a boxer. So let's read it. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Look at verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it. To get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. 
Verse 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is teaching us that if you want, if you want, if you want to succeed in life, you've got to learn to let the Spirit give you spirit control. Let me take you to the Old Testament. And this is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Solomon, he's a really wise guy. He gives us the analogy of self-control or a lack of self-control. Look at verse 28 of Proverbs 25. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. In those days, a city had walls and the walls protected the city. And a city without walls was vulnerable. And, and, and Solomon is saying, if you don't have self-control in your life, it's, it's like a city with no walls. Your walls are broken down. And this is going to lead to a lot of disastrous things. There's an amazing story in 1 Samuel chapter 24, and I'm going to read it to you in a moment. And here's the context. There's a guy named David. Everybody say David. One, two, three. David. And there's another guy named Saul. Could you say Saul? One, two, three. Saul. Saul and David. Saul is the king, and David's about to become king. And they ended up in the same cave at the same time. And right here in the Bible, we read that Saul is in the cave and he's about to relieve himself. That's what the Bible says. I mean, he's in the cave. He's about to do number one. And he's there. It's right there in the Bible. You can read it in 1 Samuel 24. You're going, is that really in the Bible? It's really in the Bible. And he's in the cave. And David's there with this mighty man. And they're saying, there's Saul. This is your moment you've been waiting for. Take him down. Kill him. He's been chasing you. Go get him. Take this guy down. Let's pick it up in verse 4 of 1 Samuel 24. The man said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David, he actually crept up unnoticed. Look at this. And he cut off just a little corner of Saul's robe. He just cuts off the corner of his robe. He had his moment to take Saul down and he cuts off the corner of his robe. And look at verse 5 afterward. David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He felt so bad. He felt, man, I lost self-control. I shouldn't even done that. And all his boys were saying, you should kill him. And he cut off a corner of his robe. Look at verse number 6. He said to his man, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he's the anointed of the Lord. Then look at verse 7. With these words, David sharply rebuked his man and didn't allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. David had a little weak moment where he lacked a little bit of self-control, but then he got his control. He got it in order. One more verse before we come to our notes, before we come to some quick teaching this morning. Acts 24, 25, there's a guy named Paul. And Paul gets to this guy named Felix. I don't know if you ever heard the name Felix. And there's many things that Paul could say to Felix. And he shares something with Felix about self-control. Look at this. It's verse 25. Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. And Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. So friends, I've just walked you through some initial verses. And we've learned self-control, biblically speaking, means spirit control. And I've discovered in my life, and I hope you and I can discover together that the Holy Spirit wants us to have spirit control in our life. So let me get you to the teaching this morning. And I I just, I want to start with a little bit of a self-control inventory. And there's probably a lot of illustrations I could give you about being out of control. But but I want to give you just, I think it's six of them, right from the book of Proverbs. Six quick ones that I saw in the book of Proverbs. I want to listen quickly. Number one, so moms and dads, you might have to do a little follow-up teaching with your children. And you can do this. Number one, uncontrolled lust. And there's a verse there in Proverbs 6.26, for a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Uncontrolled lust, number one. And then there's number two, and this is, some of you are like, oh boy, now he's really, really getting there. Uncontrolled spending. You ever met somebody where their spending's out of control? They buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they're not even sure they like. You ever met someone like that? Spend, 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 spend. Out of control spending. And they just, they just spend 
It's so out of control. They got no control. The money just, it's in their pocket and it's burning a hole in their pocket and they got to spend it. Proverbs 21, 20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil for fools gulp theirs down. Then there's number three, uncontrolled ambition. I met people that all they want to do is climb the ladder of success. Can I give you a little thought? When you get to the top of the ladder of success, you might discover that it's leaning up against the wrong building. And some people are just trying to get, 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 find, 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 climb up the ladder of success, uncontrolled ambition. Bible says in Proverbs 23, 4, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. And then there's number four. I should have heard this one when I had that box of turtles, uncontrolled eating. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. And then there's number five, uncontrolled drinking. Uncontrolled drinking. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Verse 30. Those who linger over wine who get to sample bowls of mixed wine. My mom was raised in a home where her dad was an alcoholic. You've heard the story. God set set him free. And in my house growing up, no alcohol. We weren't. My mom said, no, no, no. I don't want you to get bound by that. And some people ask me, Pastor, do you drink alcohol? And if you do, why? And if you don't, why not? Well, you may not know this, but when you're a credential holder in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, we actually sign a dotted line that we are not going to drink alcohol. So some people say to me, well, Pastor, if they let you drink alcohol, would you drink alcohol? And my answer is, no, I won't. And people say, well, why won't you? Well, I don't like it for starters. Number two, I don't have a desire for it, but even if I liked it, and even if I had a desire for it, here's my real deep reason as your pastor, as your pastor. We got many people walking in our doors Sunday after Sunday who alcohol has become out of control of their life, and they become alcoholics, and Jesus set them free. I, as their pastor, don't want to be the stumbling block for them to get caught back in that same bondage. I don't want to be responsible for someone to be bound by alcohol. I want to be someone who celebrates Jesus setting people free from, a, from an addiction that's way out of control. Some people come to me and say, Pastor, is it okay to drink alcohol? Does the Bible say it's wrong? Well, the Bible's clear. When it's uncontrolled, it's not good. My grandfather had uncontrolled alcohol, and we have people walking in our door and say, Pastor, I used to be bound by alcohol, but now... I've been free for five years. I've been free for 10 years. Come on, we need to celebrate that. I've been free for 20 years. I've been free for 30 years. So if you're all right as your pastor, I don't want to be the stumbling block. Is that okay? Come on, are you going to affirm me on that? I don't, I don't want to be the stumbling block. I don't want to. Now, number six, uncontrolled anger. Anger is an emotion. The Bible says don't sin in your wrath. You got to learn to bridle your emotion of anger, but it can become uncontrolled, and we could say things we wish we never said and do things we wish we never did. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise brings calm in the end. I would invite you to explore the book of Proverbs, and you will see a lot of areas where you can get out of control, and God wants the Spirit to bring us into control. Let's go to number two. I'm going to walk you quickly through a case study of self-control, I want to take you to a book in the New Testament, the book of Titus. It's a short book in the Bible. It's an amazing book. And I want to talk to you for a couple of moments about what I saw in the book of Titus. Now, Crete was an island, a small island. And Paul sends this guy named Titus to this island called Crete. And Crete was like the party island. It was out of control. People were out of control. People in the church were out of control. And Paul said, Titus, I'm going to send you to Crete, and I want you to get things in order, and I want you to help these churches to walk in the Spirit and be in control. So let me show you what's going on. Look at Titus 1, verse 12 and verse 13. It's on the screen. One of Crete's own prophets had said, Cretans are always liars. I mean, they're out of control. They can't speak truth. They're always speaking non-truths. They're evil brutes. Man, they were out of control. And they're lazy gluttons. They wouldn't work. And they're just filling themselves over the edge. 
out of control, no control. Verse 13, this saying is true. This saying is true, Paul said to Titus. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith. Now, I'm about to read to you that that Paul calls Titus to to teach self-control to different people, different groups of people in the church in Crete. So look at verse 5, Titus 1, verse 5. He said, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I direct you. Okay, Paul. Paul's saying, Titus, you get there, go to every church, every town, and and appoint elders in the church. And he gives them qualifications. Now look at verse 8. And he gives a qualification for an elder in the church. He must be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who's self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. The first thing, he calls him to teach self-control to the elders. Now look at verse 2. Teach the older men, older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Number one, the elders. Number two, the older men. And then verse three, likewise, teach the older woman to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to too much wine. Teach them self-control, but teach them what is good. And then in verse 4, then they can urge the younger woman to love their husbands and children. Verse 5, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. And then in verse 6, similarly encourage the young man to be self-controlled. I don't know, I'm seeing a theme here. I mean, Paul is saying to Titus, everybody on the island of Crete is out of control but I want the believers in the churches to be controlled by the Spirit. So I want you to teach it to the elders. I want you to teach it to the older men. I want you to teach it to the older ladies. And I want the older men to teach it to the younger men. And I want the older ladies to teach it to the younger ladies. When we model self-control, self-control begins to be lived out. And Paul is saying to Titus, I want you to teach this to the believers on the island of Crete. Well, let me read to you some final verses. Verse 11 down to verse 14. This is Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God, let me push pause. How many people are really glad for the grace of God? Come on, how many people are glad for the grace of God? For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I'm glad for the grace of God. Now look at verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. I mean, when you've got the grace of God and you've got the Spirit in you, the Spirit helps you to say no to what you should say no to and yes to what you should say yes to. You can't do it in your own, but you've got the Spirit of the living God in you. Somebody risk a little amen right now. He said it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Well, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Friends, when you study the book of Titus, and I would encourage you to do that this week when you go through these notes, you will see the theme of self-control all through it. And we've learned that self-control biblically is spirit control. And I got a word for you today. The spirit of living God that's in you is going to help you to live a life of self-control. Lean on the spirit. Walk in the spirit. So let me take you to some more practical teaching. And I want to take you to number three. I want to give you very quickly three characteristics of people who are walking in this self-control and are open to the Spirit having control in their life. And they're just practical thoughts, so just stay with me. Number one, they accept responsibility. They own up to an area in their life that is out of control. Now, let me give you, let me give you a little practical teaching. If you're not sure, and you're married, you're married, and you're not sure what area of your life is out of control, 
ask your spouse. They'll tell you. All right? If you're not sure what area of your life is a little out of control, ask somebody in your family. And I, this, this is just honest teaching this morning. The first thing you've got to do, you've got to take responsibility. You know what? Mark, you talked about spending, and I, it's out of control. I mean, I spend, spend, spend. Maybe, maybe it's anger. Maybe, maybe it's alcohol, and, and people have been trying to tell you, you've got a problem with this, and it's just a little over the edge, and, but you don't see it. Maybe it's, maybe it's anger, and you, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with anger. Really? Really? I, I don't know what it is, but, but if we're honest, the largest room of our lives is the room for improvement. And the first thing we need to do is take responsibility. Is there an area in our life that the Spirit of the living God wants to help there to be more spirit control? Number one, they accept responsibility. But then there's number two. Write this in your notes. They honestly welcome accountability. Accountability. Iron sharpens iron. If you want to sharpen iron, you need another piece of iron. And, and you need somebody in your life that will hold you accountable. That, that will hold they, they care for you and they love you enough that they will be accountable to you. Now, I, I shared the story of David and and Saul, and you know, Saul's in the cave relieving himself, and David comes up and cuts off a little bit of the robe, and, and all the guys are saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. And he goes, no, we shouldn't even touch God's anointing. And you go, wow, this guy's got his life under control. And a little later when he's king, he's up on, on the balcony, and he sees Bathsheba. You know the story. And, 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 and the visual gets over him, and he has this affair with Bathsheba. Now, do you remember... Who confronted David about the sin? It was a guy named Nathan. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of this, but you need to understand that Nathan wasn't just imported into the story. Hey, there's Nathan. Who's this guy? Nathan and David were in relationship. David knew Nathan. And Nathan had a relationship with David, so much so that God used him to get into the face of David and point out to David that there's something wrong in his life. Now, now, hear me, please. I'm not asking us to go around and point faults in people and point out sins in people. But, but the, the, the more there's a relationship with someone, the more we should be open to being held accountable. Pride will keep you from being accountable. Pride will bring destruction in your life. Pride will make you like a city with no walls. Now, here it is. I've discovered when there's a lack of control in one area in our life, it begins to bleed to another area of our life, and then it begins to bleed to another area of our life. I I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk as your pastor in isolation. I've got people that hold me accountable, and sometimes they're so honest with me, I have to say, ouch, when they tell me. But, But church, iron sharpens iron. And so number one, I want to challenge everybody, everybody in this house, that if you're going to be a person who walks in spirit control, that you will accept responsibility for an area of your life that's out of control. And number two, that you will welcome, you will welcome accountability. And then there's number three, and I pray that God would help me with this. Number three, they develop integrity. They keep growing in integrity. And I've discovered this, that when I, when I take care of my character, God will protect my reputation. And when I work on becoming more Christ-like, God's got my back and he covers me. And I want to invite everybody in the house, from youngest to eldest, to take these three thoughts. Take responsibility. Welcome accountability, and develop integrity. And as I wrap up this brief message today on this Unite Sunday, I want to give you five final thoughts that I think will hammer it home. And they all begin with the word start. 
And so I want to leave you with these five strategies. And number one, it's going to sound obvious, but, but there's a danger if I don't say it. Number one, start with yourself. Don't get in the car and go home and say, did you hear the message today? You need to work on this area. Start with yourself. There's a great evangelist from a century ago. You might have heard of his name, D.L. Moody. And somebody went up to D.L. Moody and said, Hey, Brother Moody, in the ministry, you must have people who criticize you. And D.L. Moody, what's the person who's given you the most trouble in your life? And he looked at them and said, The person who's given me the most trouble in my life is myself. And I thought, man, that guy was so, so honest. Somebody told me that they saw a sign, and I'll do my best to explain it. The sign said something like this. If you could kick the person responsible for most of the troubles in your life, you wouldn't be able to sit down for weeks. (laughs) Isn't that true? Start with yourself. There's a danger. You're going to point the finger to your wife, to your mom, to your dad, to your child, to someone else. I hope they're taking notes. They are out of control. Start with yourself. And then there's number two. Start early. I mean, this is a unite service, and we got parents and of young children. And and moms and dads, could we teach self-control to our children early, early, early? When Jonathan was younger and Jennifer was younger and Jessica was younger, we, we discovered that how we disciplined them would vary and because one method for one wouldn't work for the other. Now, let me just give you a little nugget of truth. Discipline is not punishment. You hear me, moms and dads? Punishment is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to punish you for something you've done, but discipline is bringing a corrective measure to moving forward. Jonathan used to love watching Mr. Dressup. Do you remember Mr. Dressup? I, I met Mr. Dressup. I could tell you stories about Mr. Dressup. And someday I'll tell you some stories about it because he, he, he lived in an area where we pastored in Bowmanville. But, but Jonathan, when we had to discipline him, I'd say, son, because of this, you cannot watch Mr. Dressup for three days. Life was about to end as he knew it. But the job of that was to teach him early. I remember when I was a little boy, uh, way, way back in the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when you could buy a bag of chips for a dime. Anybody remember those days? Some of you are like, I remember when it was cheaper. Honestly, a bag of chips or a bottle of pop was a dime. And in those days, my parents gave us an allowance, all of a dollar bill. Many of you, I just lost. You don't know what a dollar bill is. And my dad would give us a dollar, and my mom and dad would say, here's your allowance. And the first tenth of that dollar would be our tithe. And they taught us early the self-discipline and the self-control of money. And we'd put our dime into the offering. I've shared this story before. On the Sunday, I didn't have a dime and I had a quarter. I got a dime. So I did what any boy that age would do. I put my quarter in the offering plate, plate and I took my 15 cents change. <laughs> and my mom smacked my hand. I had no clue why. She said, you got to give the tenth. I gave the tenth. I gave the tenth. But my father had a little, I could picture it, it was a silver glass in the cupboard, and he bought chocolate bars. Speaking of chocolate, boys and girls, are you doing all right? We're almost done. You can eat your chocolate. Adults, are you doing okay holding on to that, that Frank's tart? You're going to eat it soon. And my dad would say, I'm going to trust you children with this. Chocolate bars are a dime in this house. It's not that, that he was poor and he had to sell us chocolate bars. He was teaching us self-control. And so I want to challenge everybody to teach and model self-control in the home. You can't call your children to self-control when you're not living in self-control. And so number one, number one, you start with yourself. Number two, you start early. And then there's number three, start small. I, I want to challenge you to start small because what's your, what's, what you are going to, to, to be tomorrow... You are becoming today. 
And, and some people hear a message like this, they go, wow, you know what? I'm hearing the message on self-control. And I, I, my, my life has been out of control. I need to get back to reading the Bible. I'm going to read four books of the Bible every single day until I finish the Bible. That's, that's too big of a goal. There's an expression I learned years ago. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so you've got to start small. You've got to start with a realistic small goal that I'm going to start, and I, I'm, going to, I'm going to start small. I need to get this under control. I'm, I'm going to start now. Now, there's an insert in your bulletin with a whole bunch of great life groups that are going to start in September. And, and these are intentional life groups. And some of you are like, this anger thing, I know I've got an issue, and it will start small. Register for the anger life group at Woodville. Look at those life groups, and maybe there's something there that you like, that's out of control in my life, and I need to start small, and I need to get this in line. Number one, start with yourself. Number two, start early. And number three, start small. Then number four, start strategically. Get a plan in place. Do something about it and work out the plan. Start with yourself and start early and start small and start strategically. But, but number five, is, it's, this is the kicker. This is the big one. Start now. You ever heard what the manifesto of a procrastinator is? This is the manifesto of a procrastinator. I am going to start procrastinating. I'm going to start procrastinating tomorrow. Think about that. Start now. Start this very moment. Decide right now that you're going to allow Holy Spirit to bring you into more control in your life. Say, Spirit of the living God, help me. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait till I get to heaven and I get to sit with the Apostle Paul and say, Paul, I want to high five you. When you said in Romans, the very things I don't want to do, I do. The very things I don't want to do, I do. I understand that. But thank you for writing Romans chapter 8. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm glad that I don't have to remain in slavery to my fleshly ways. I'm glad, I'm glad that I've got Holy Spirit in me to help me to become more like Christ. The same spirit that convicts me is the same spirit that helps me. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. So this morning, as I wrap up this message, we've, we've walked through some scriptures today on, on self-control. And we've looked at the book of Titus. And we've looked at some introductory scriptures And we've looked at some practical truths that regardless of your age, you can grab a hold of. I've just been praying all week, Spirit of the living God, help me and help my church family to walk in the Spirit and be controlled and led by the Spirit. As I wrap up this message, I was sitting with Pastor Matt this week and we were chatting about some stuff walking through some things and just opening our hearts. And I said something to him that that just, it's like I'm saying it to Matt, but it's really for me. That the more that I walk in the Spirit, the easier life becomes. The more that I walk in step with the Spirit, the easier life becomes. So as I wrap up this message from youngest to eldest, can I invite you To say, Spirit of the living God, help me to walk and live in the Spirit so that I can move forward and be all that you want me to be in Jesus' name. Somebody, somebody risk a little amen this morning. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord. Come on up, Brad. Could we stand to our feet? Boys and girls, hold on to that chocolate. Not yet. Not yet. They've been doing amazing. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, 
even before this service comes to a close. I don't want to assume that everybody, everybody in this place this morning, and I don't want to assume that everybody that is watching live streaming is ready for heaven. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to ask you a question that's very pointed and it's very direct. And I ask it because I honestly care. Here's the question. If today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Pastor, was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus to come into your life and be the center of your life? If you can't answer that question with a definite yes in a couple of moments, I'd have no greater joy than leading you in a prayer of making your peace with God through Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe, maybe you traveled into the city today and you're, you're just visiting today and maybe you're like, I, I'm, I'm just wandering from God, but I, I want to settle it. I, I want to I be sure that I'm ready for heaven. I, I want to make sure that I'm ready for heaven. Boys and girls, young people, young adults, adults, from the youngest to the eldest, do you know that you're ready for heaven? If you can't answer that question with a definite yes, my follow-up question is, would you like to be ready for heaven? Would you like Christ to be the center of your life? Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to simply count to three. And after I count to three, if you would like to be led in this prayer to ask Christ to be the center of your life, I'm just going to ask you to, to lift your hand and... After you've done that, you can put your hand down and then I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And by lifting your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I, 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 I want Christ in my life. I want Him to be the center of my life. I want to be ready for heaven. I want to be led in this prayer. So I'm going to count to three. And if you'd like to be included in this prayer, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. That's you as you can. You can put your hand down. Lots of hands. If you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. So let's, let's join these wonderful people. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I make my peace with you. Today, I receive you in my life. Today, I say yes to Jesus. I pray this now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Come on, Woodville. It's party time. Come on. It's party time. Come on. It's party time. Party time. There's a lot of people that lifted their hand. Now, now stay with me. If you accepted Christ, you made the best decision of your life. If you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd love to have you join us on the journey. In a couple of moments on your way out, you can go to a wall in the lobby that says, follow. We've got a Bible for you. It's free. We got a little booklet for you. It's free. We have a, a follow-up class that, that, that's in the bulletin, and they can tell you more about it. It happens on Wednesday nights. We'd love to have you come. We're, we're starting Alpha. You saw the video clip. You could see it in the bulletin. People searching and asking questions. Bring them to Alpha. I think it would be amazing. All right. I'm going to be really honest. And Before we close, I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me very clearly, be very direct when you say this. And don't, don't mix words. But to ask this question and let the Spirit of God do what He wants to do. So here's the question. I felt the Lord say to me before we close to ask the house this morning, is there an area in your life that you need 
the Spirit of God to bring control in. Because it's moving out of control. Maybe it's rampantly out of control. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a little bit out of control. But, but even as I preach this message, you're like, uh, I see the area. I, I see the area. It's, it's there. And it's, it, I feel like it's winning in my life. And I, I, don't feel like I, I don't feel like I'm winning. And I'm trying to do it, but I can't. I felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me, say to the house, is there an area of your life that you know is a little bit or a lot out of control? And so I'm going to start with that. No one's going to bow their heads right now. I'm being really direct. So if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Just, just lift your hand. Come on. It's, wow, he's actually doing this. Yep. I want you to put your hand down. I felt the Lord say to me this week that if you surrender this to God, His Holy Spirit that is in you, is going to help this out-of-control area to come under the control of the Spirit of the living God. How many people believe God can do that right now in this place? Do you believe that? So, I'm not pulling any punches. And I love you, church. So here's what we're going to do as we wrap this up. If there's an area in your life, it's great or small, a little out of control or a lot out of control. I'm not asking you to come to the microphone and share what it is. I'm just asking you to leave where you're standing and take a step and stand at this altar and we're going to pray for you before we close. So this is, this is brave time, but I feel like what we're doing is we're bringing that out of control area and we're bringing it to Jesus and we're going to believe Holy Spirit to bring it under His control. How many people believe God can do that today? I, I honestly do. I honestly do. So Pastor Brad, come to the mic. And if you want the Spirit of God to bring control in that area, I want to invite you to, to leave where you're standing and come and stand right here. Join me right here. We're going to pray for you. So you sing. Let's sing. Come on. Come on. This is a big step. It's a big step. All to him I freely give And I will ever love and trust him In his presence daily live oh, All to Jesus I Can I invite you to lift your hands towards the heavens? I, I want to pray for you. And I want to thank you for boldly coming and standing. So God, one of the many things that I love about this church is we really want you to do a work in our hearts and our lives. And God, there's so many people standing at this altar because they truly want spirit control in an area of their life. And God, I want to say thank you that your spirit is in them. And now I pray your spirit that is in them would take control of that area in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. God, I'm sensing that there's some people standing right now at this altar. They, they've tried and 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 it's not changed. So God, we're not going to walk in the flesh. We're going to live in the spirit. So I'm asking that the spirit that is in them would overwhelm them right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
I pray, God, that you would take us out of Romans chapter 7 and now walk us into Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, that freedom, freedom, freedom would reign in the name of the Lord. And I pray, God, that we would see the working of Holy Spirit in our life. We're, we're starting right now. We're bringing it to you, God. And we're saying, take over. Take over. Would you take the grip, Lord, and help us. Help us in the name of Jesus. So I want to say thank you, God, for everyone standing at this altar. And I believe that you are doing a mighty work. And we now give you the glory, the honor, the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody shout it. Amen. Come on, everybody shout it. Amen. Come on, let's give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. To the Lord. I'm so glad that every one of you have come today. And I invite you to take these notes and dig deeper into them. Let the Spirit speak to you. If you're our guest, drop by the guest lounge. We want to bless you we got a coffee cart for you. If you're recently new at Whitvale, your pastoral team wants to meet you. And you can go down that back hallway to the fireside room. There's signs. We want to meet you and greet you. And we'd love to do that. And I want to thank everyone for coming today and being part of this morning service. And boys and girls, it's chocolate time, all right? Adults, enjoy those tarts. God bless you. God bless you. If you'd like prayer, we've got some altar workers at the front. They'd be glad to pray with you. Towards you, Jesus, I